Hey, early adopters and super VIPs. If you have not done so yet, please help us out by pounding that subscribe button and rating and reviewing us on Apple iTunes. We've got so many new and awesome interviews coming up that you won't want to miss. And we want to make sure that this podcast grows and gets even more awesome guests than we already have. Please do so. And we really appreciate your support. Welcome to Buy and Build, the podcast about buying a business and building in public. Uncover the wins and losses as we renovate our business together. Come along for the ride. Now, here are your hosts of Buy and Build, Nicholas Scalp and Daryl Lim. Yo, what's going on? It's your boy here, Daryl, with Buy and Build Podcast here with Nicholas Scalp, the co-host. Uh, today, we've got Chris Ake, founder of Sidekick AI and Kiros. What's up, Chris? How's it going today? It's going well. You pronounced my last name right. Awesome. <laughs> A lot of people say <laughs> Ak, Ake, it's Ake. Awesome. I mean, you did kind of say it before the call, so I'm going to throw myself under the bus, but... Andrew Gasecki said the same thing. He said people don't ask, answer his last name correctly, and we yeah. practice it. So uh, good thing you told me in advance. Yeah, I don't care either way. It's just I was like, all right, I'm impressed. But yeah. <laughs> so before we get into like the business questions, we always love to get to know you personally. So tell us about Chris, like his background, what kind of music or podcast he listens to, and what he does. What does he do for fun when he's not like a machine trying to create different businesses? Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, from Detroit, graduated, went, went to college, studied basic, you know, business management, because I thought that was the right thing to do. I, I mean, things I do for fun. Well, this year, actually, I got into golf because my business partner has been pushing me into it because I played baseball growing up. So I made some money off Dogecoin, not going to lie. When the first like spike happened. So what, basically what happens, I sold a business the end of last year. And I was like, I have some cash. I should invest it where do I invest it? I have companies that are kind of running. So I lost about four grand five years ago in penny stocks. So I was like anti-investment of stocks. I thought it was a big you know, scam and gamble. So I started researching more and I wised up and put some money in the market. And then my buddy saw Dogecoin from two cents and it was like the first, first real big pump. So I bought some at two cents and it went up to seven cents. I sold it. And I told my business partners like, all right, now use that money to get some golf clubs. So now golfing is kind of my hobby. So I do that for fun. You know, I love being outdoors. So, you know, West Michigan, anytime I can get on a boat on the weekends, go hang out, you know, be in the sun, you know, hanging out with friends. Yeah, that's, that's what I like to do for fun. Music, yeah, I, I grew up in Detroit. So very, you know, hip hop, like that was a core of, you know, my culture and the music that I grew up to. I like really anything Besides country, like I said, very more hip hop, but like I'll listen to a lot of different things depending on if I'm working out, if I'm just, you know, zoning out, right? Like designing, uh, throwing some Odessa, just kind of get in a flow. So, yeah. Nice. That's cool. I have a set of golf clubs. They're pretty nice, but haven't used them for two years. So maybe next time I'm Grand Rapids, we'll have to go for a round. Well, I mean, yeah, this is literally my first year. I've been golfing five times in my entire life now. So how are you doing? Decent. Like I said, I played baseball growing up in athletic. So I have the hand-eye coordination, a natural swing, but it's uh, everybody who does golf. Like they say, 
it's a humbling sport, which it is. And I just figured I was like, if I'm going to be in business for the rest of my life, people are usually inviting you to go golfing, right. To go network or, you know, talk about a couple of deals on the course. They want to go have a couple of drinks. It's social. And so I figured I was like, I got to do it at one point. So I was like, I might as well do it now. But I like how you traded, you know, degenerate gambling on Dogecoin into the addiction of golf. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was like, listen, like I gambled and I won and it's, you know, let's try to turn this as an investment into golfing, get better. And hopefully like I'm looking at this, hopefully I can close a deal in the next like four years on the course that's sizable and that'll be ROI. So we'll see. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. That's, where it that's all an investment. Seriously, it, it's true. Like I know of a lot of people who actually clo- get to know people over a span of like a golf round because it's like, what, what four or five hours and you're just yeah. hanging mm-hmm. on a golf course. It's the four of you. And what else is there to do but talk about life or shop, you know? Right. Yeah. And yeah. you see how people deal with stress. You know, there's nothing more stressful than being bad at golf. <laughs> no, for sure. Yeah. That's a good, yeah. That's a great stress test. Maybe if you're going to hire like a high level executive, like, take them out, give them a couple drinks and like serve in a bad game, see how they react. Right. And then, all right. Yeah. I love it. Well, Heyman, we saw, we saw your, you know, an author, you have a book written, you're contributor at Forbes. Have you always been a writer, you know, and beyond that, is there any writings that have been super impactful that you would recommend to people? Yeah. I mean, as far as like writing, you know, the Forbes thing was kind of, that's when I really got into learning SEO for our first company, Grand Apps. And I understood the power of it. You know, before that, I've written like almost all the articles and blogs on Grand Apps. And it's not something I would say I like naturally, you know, loved, but I kind of fell in love with it and I enjoyed it, right? Because you can just kind of zone out for like an hour and a half in the morning, write some content, you know, edit that, send it out. And I've gotten better at it. So I've actually liked that. The book thing was I was approached by 19 other millennials and it was kind of like a collection of our stories in a journey to success story, you know, and, and with that, like you had to buy the books, give them out. So I didn't really make money off it. I just kind of did it for the experience. I thought it was kind of cool, you know, to, to see how that would pan out. And yeah, so that's kind of like my writing extent and, and, and background with that. I would say the most impactful piece of writing I've ever read I still have it framed was a TechCrunch article. And essentially it was when Groupon was like brand new. And I read this article because my professor made me read it and present it to the class. So once I kind of wrap my mind around this, that's when like it sparked like the idea of, wait, I could maybe start a business. So I tried to do something during my senior year of college called Unbubble. It was like a daily deal site for college students in, you know, Groupon back in the day, you'd basically have to have that Groupon. You'd have a limit of like a uh, hundred. Once you hit a hundred, that deal opens to everybody, right? So what I was going to do is like a competing deal. So you have deal versus deal. The first one to hit like 20, that one opens, the other one doesn't. So I was building this platform my se- summer, senior of high school. So that's the most impactful thing I ever read that kind of like pushed me down the journey of entrepreneurship. I still have it framed. I don't even know where my diploma's at when I graduated college, but I, I still have that, that article uh, from TechCrunch is 2011, I think like top of the year, 2011. Okay, so it's kind of like an inspiration to you. Yeah, absolutely. So whoever wrote that TechCrunch article person, like that little blog post, like sparked my journey. So thank you. Nice. That's amazing. That's actually a good segue. 
we're actually going to ask you about your story about becoming a founder and building your businesses. How did that all begin? And tell us about that journey. It was my senior of college. You know, I tried to start a company that was similar to Groupon. It was called Unbubble. And basically my buddy from high school and myself were building it. And it was our senior year of college. He gets a job at Groupon, signs a non-compete, so he can't work on the site. I had about three grand in my name because I was waiting tables, you know, all throughout college. I basically put all that, I mean, if you can't tell by the Doge story now, like I like to take some risks and I basically put all that money into this website because I asked him, I was like, well, how do I keep this going? He's like, well, you can just go on Elance and hire like this, like an Indian developer for pretty cheap. You know, it was like 2011. And I was like, all right. So I just like outsourced it, hired this one guy, ran out of funds. Uh, basically the website was on pause and I was going to my last semester of school in the fall. So I really didn't know what I wanted to do. You know, it was my last semester. I was going to graduate. Do you get a job? Do you keep trying to build this business? And, and before that, like I, I grew up in lower, like blue collar family, Detroit. And my you know, dad was a contractor, but not like a business owner with employees. So I have no background in business. My family doesn't have businesses. I wasn't taught any of this. So it was just me just trying to figure it out. And that last semester is when I met my first business partner and mentor. So he was doing something similar called Manly Deal. And it was in Grand Rapids and it was daily deals, very niche for men because he would go on Groupon and a lot of the deals were more feminine, like pedicure, manicure, you know, not saying guys can't do that, but he was like, I don't like some like deals that I would buy. And he found that niche market. So I, I met him and basically I was like, hey, I love what you're doing. I'm in my last semester of college. I wait tables on the weekend is there any way I can help? Because I'm kind of building my own company like this. And when I met him, you could just tell. Like some people, you ask the right questions, they're way smarter than you. And he was also very like personable and like just an awesome guy. So I was like, if there's any way I can help, I'll help you build this you know, company. So I just did sales for him. I have never done sales in my life. I, in between my classes, was cold calling local businesses. Like, hey, do you want to be featured on a mailing deal site? Yeah, I was taking like four, uh, 15 credits and I was waiting tables Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, basically close Friday, double Saturday, double Sunday to make my money, pay my bills. And then he paid me like a hundred bucks a deal. So I lined up, I think 20 deals. We we're going to launch January 1st, 2011 and he, or 2012, this was 2011. And he approached me, he said, Hey, Chris, I think this, this uh, space is a bubble. Cause this is like deal chickens popping up. All these daily deal sites are popping up. He was like, we should just try to sell it. So we tried to sell it. We couldn't sell it. By the way, I had no equity in this deal. Like literally it, he was just like my friend. I was helping him out, getting paid to do sales. I just hoped he'd take care of me. I didn't really think about it. You know, I was 21 years old. You know, what do you know back then? And, you know, we, we decided to try to sell it. We couldn't. And uh, he approached me and he's like, you know, what about mobile apps? And this is kind of where like Andrew Gazdecki and business apps kind of ties in. I, I have no clue. I was like, I don't know mobile app. Is I have a BlackBerry? Like I have no idea. This is 2011. So, you know, how we got in that first business was we basically just resold business apps as a white label reseller. And, you know, we just started a company called Grand Apps. That's the one I sold that I put some of that money in the doge for. And, you know, that's kind of story how I got started into it. Wow. That's awesome. And so you were just working together there with uh, business apps and 
created some apps that way. So you're, you're mostly a sales guy, right? Or are you a developer as well? No, not developer, not, not technical. You know, I, I just went to school for basic business. You know, I guess you can call it marketing. I like doing content. I like talking to people. I like networking. I enjoyed the relationship side of that kind of thing. There was a point where I, I was going to teach myself how to code, but I kind of sat down and cause, cause we need to hire a couple of developers for more custom projects because clients would ask us and it's way beyond the scope of what business apps you could build in there. Right. It's like, you know, kind of like a, a Wix or a Squarespace and people want more custom features. So I, I thought about it and I was like, well, maybe I should learn how to code and be more technical so we could do these things. And I spent a weekend thinking about it and I was like, all right, Chris, you could be like a really, really good developer. Is that your passion? Do you want to do that? You know, you could do anything you apply yourself to. Anybody really could. You could learn whatever you want, you know, or should you double down on the management side of things, marketing, the business operations? And what are you passionate about? And I just kind of decided more the business operations and the other side versus the technicals of development, especially in a software development company, right? So, yeah, I mean, you know, I try to learn as much as I can, but I just made that decision and I was like, I'm going to be more of the business side of it versus actual coding. I think that's actually a good thing to point out because there's a lot of people out there, like me in particular, before I actually met Nick, I didn't really know very many developers. So I didn't know who to partner with to create all these technical things. And even today I had a call with a friend and he's like, oh man, like I see all these new technologies out there and developments with all these SaaS companies. And I always think like, how is this even done? Like, I'm just a sales guy, but you're pretty much saying like, you don't need to, you just need to partner with the right people. And it's that combination of both like business operation sales with a developer. And that's the perfect combination, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you know, you can't force it. So how I got to the point of Sidekick, it's been a decade and I've owned, you know, handfuls of businesses, you know, anything from like a flooring company to a, a reseller. We had a digital marketing company. We are doing like Facebook ads or Facebook content and social media marketing before Facebook came with a paid platform before the IPO, right? Um, before Instagram. And uh, yeah, I mean, it, it was a progression of people who I met. So I met Nate, partner of Sidekick, the technical founder in 2018. And I just happened to meet him because he used one of my companies, Render Films, to shoot a promo video for his company, Kairos Digital. So once I met him, you know, I just realized he's one of the smartest developers that I personally have met and known, and I liked him. So we worked on a few projects together that summer of 2018. And I just approached him. I said, hey, I think you've been the missing link at Grand Apps over the past seven years. We, I think we needed a technical co-founder. You know, I didn't go like seek it. Whereas I think some people now they're like, oh, I need like, I need a technical co-founder. Maybe you can go find one. But like I said, don't really force it. And yeah, we just met and like, it was very synergistic and I had what he didn't have. He had what I didn't have. And, you know, it's been great. Like Kairos has been, you know, 5Xing since 2018. Sidekick has launched. He helped build a lot of that. So yeah, it, it just happened by chance, but uh, it's, it's been a really good partnership. That's awesome. I, I think one of the things that you, you really picked up on there early that a lot of people miss is like, all of these are really long roads, you know? And it like, you can, you can kind of understand what people are saying from each thing. Like, you know, Daryl and I have conversations where it's like, he doesn't understand the technical stuff I'm saying. I don't understand some of the business stuff he's saying. And it's like, we both kind of like, we can, we can talk to each other about it, but like to really know where you're going, it's like, that's a long road. 
And I, th um, I, th I think, yeah, it's super long. And I think, you know, you know, the technicals, right? So you're software engineer, yeah. Daryl may not be. So what I've learned in this process of launching Sidekick was, you know, we would build software for clients, right? And sometimes it'd be quick. Sometimes it would take time. I've learned so much over the past three years since partnering with Kairos, building, you know, custom platforms from the ground up. And I've really, really learned with launching our own product, which if you like software, you're in it, you want to be in it for your career, right? I would recommend try to like buy buy a software product and scale it or build one because I've learned so much of what to ask for and what not to ask for, right? To my software engineers and the leads on it. Like I'm now wrapping my brain around if I ask for this, which I think may be small, it's really not that small. And it's it's gonna take longer than you think. And I mean, you're smiling because you get it, right? When people like it's uh -huh. not, it just click a button, right? And put it, it's easy. There's a lot more to it than that, right? Yeah. Yep. I'll tell you just a little tangent. I one of the first projects I ever I ever worked on was like rebuilding this whole crazy charting library. And it's like there's all this like trigonometry going on to get all the things right. And uh, my boss goes, that's great. Hey, can we just make those things like angled? And I was like, what the hell? <laughs> and he's like, okay, right. never mind. I'm sorry. <laughs> yep. yep. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, lear I'm learning the same and I love it. And that's, you know, that's been my mindset from day one with launching our own product sidekick. You know, number one, we saw it was a good idea. Number two, we just wanted to do it, see if we could do it. And we knew we were going to learn a ton. And like I said, we're in this for the long term, right? We're all... Mm. I'm 32, John, who's part of Kairos in Sidekick, he's 35 or six, Nate's 31, right? So we're all relatively young and we've only been in our career for a decade. So we know it's going to be 20, 30, 40, 50, you know, it's going to be lots of more decades. So it's just a lot of learning, a lot of, you know, applying ourselves and, you know, try not to make the same mistake again, but yeah, we're, we're definitely longer mindset. Yeah. I love the, the patient mindset. So you more or less started off with a, you know, a consultancy or consultancy type business. I find a lot of people in it and a lot of people we've talked to on this podcast, uh, a lot of the more dynamic founders start off with like a consultancy type approach and then really focus in on like multiple different products. Do you think that's, that's been a, like really helpful in your path there? Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, I think it helped me a lot because it gives you so many skills that if you go into a product, you could take those, right? Like customer service. I mean, if you have an agency consulting business, you have a handful of clients, right? And you have to be really good to those clients to keep them because they give you money, money pays you, keeps your business afloat. And if you don't, and you're just terrible at it, you're not going to retain customers or clients. And like that's huge. And then now imagine if you want to scale that at thousands of users, tens of thousands, millions, you can't touch every single one, but you could take certain elements to that next level. I, I think it, you know, I think where a lot of people switch, actually, I've been thinking about this too. I still like the consultancy side. I think we'll keep that forever. But I think where some people, they kind of make that transition, their mindset, it's like, ah, like, I don't want to do this forever. Like I got to keep winning over clients, finding clients. Like, is there something that I could make more with? It's scalable. It's more automated, which I get like, you know, nobody, usually nobody, not that many people want to do more work for less and make things harder for themselves. You know, usually humans want to be more efficient, right. And find better ways to do things. So yeah, I think it's, for me, it helped a lot. And I, I think a lot of people go down that route because it's, it's one of the easiest like entry points in software. It's like, Hey, how can I just help you get a little more 
you know, tech savvy, build you a website or the design part of it. And then you start to learn more. And, and I think, you know, you find product ideas, people pitch you ideas, you might partner on ideas, you might find a market need. And I think that's like an evolution that, that I've seen too, right in that same bucket. Like we're launching products now. So nice. I mean, I, I myself, like I've done some freelance marketing stuff and it's a really great route to go where you, you get to connect with different audiences. And I think some of my closest friends are like former clients. So you get to understand like how their businesses work, how to help them better. And then it better serves you in the long run too, because you can kind of think outside the box, like once you've worked with them and gone through the experiences. Yeah, so. I, I, I agree 100% with you because, you know, for us, we started in restaurants. So, and I worked in restaurants, but you could learn like all the business operations of a restaurant and then you get into like logistics or you get into real estate or, and then you could start connecting things. And, you know, I'm just waiting till like I can connect some kind of dot. I don't know when it's going to happen, but you know, it'll solve a really good problem. And that's why I try to talk to as many business owners and I try to learn like, like, what are your biggest pain points? And like, how does your business operate? And, you know, they're all kind of different, but it's weird though. Like a lot of them, it's all like the same problem usually though. Like comes back down to it, you know, um, it's, it's simple, but yeah, I agree. Speaking of connecting dots, you've got your next project, which you're working on right now, Sidekick AI. Tell us about this idea. How did you come up with this idea and how did you validate your product? Yeah, great, great question. So it was 2018. Like I said, I met Nate. And basically when John and I came to Nate's company, we like 5X'd it in the first year. So he went from having two contract developers with like three clients to having a team of 10 plus with almost 20 clients within 12 months. And basically he was just getting super busy running around. He was missing meetings. People were standing him up. And this was, this was 2018. So he's like, man, I need something to help me with scheduling. So he didn't want to hire an assistant, right? Didn't have enough uh, money for it. And I would say not enough money, but not enough need to hire like a full-time assistant. Didn't want to do virtual assistant. And uh, he's always been fascinated by machine learning, AI. Like he's the kind of engineer that'll read white papers on this stuff, like over the weekend and just dive really deep into it. And he's always wanted to kind of create like a, a machine learning tool. So he started just building it. And he didn't even tell us. And basically his theory of what he was going to build was something for him that essentially hooked into his email. It would start scanning his emails and reading it. And then if it was a meeting intent, basically it would start the process. It would come to him like, hey, do you want to meet this person? You know, similar, let's say if you had an assistant, you give your assistant the emails or you CC him or whatever. It reads those, it, it books it. That was the original idea. And he brought this up to us. And John are like, yeah, like if that could really do that and you could build it, that'll help us too. Cause we hate scheduling meetings and we're busy nonstop because at the time in the market, there was like Calendly and, you know, like doodle, some pretty basic scheduling, you know, tools out there. And he wanted something that was going to be a little more advanced for his needs. So, so 2019 happened and I approached both of them. I was like, what about that, that project? Like, we didn't know what to call it. And I was like, what about that project Nate you had? back in 2018, like, have you been building on it? Uh, where is it at? He's like, nah, not really. And I was like, well, I'll tell you what, I was like, I've been talking to people about this and they agree. Like if we could get something that's like kind of close to what we theorize, how this should work, like people said, they'll buy it. So we just decided to build it. We're like, all right. We just asked a bunch of people, you know, we've been, um, doing sales for a decade. 
I guess at this time, like eight ish years now, we had so many relationships, the business owners, people like us in our market, we thought we'd want to target. We just reached out to them, just tons of people and asked them. And once we got enough yeses, it just kind of made sense. Like, let's at least try to build this. And, and we've pivoted so many times how the software works and we don't have to get into that, but you know, that was kind of the, the feasibility for us and the validation of that product market fit. And we're still learning, you know, what, what's the best market fit we have now, but we just kind of built it because we wanted it. It solved some of our needs and there's nothing at the time on the market that we knew that was like that. So that, that's just kind of how it snowballed into this. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's pretty amazing. That's great. So you, you solved your own problem. And then from there, went out and got extra market validation. That's, that's great. That's the best way to do it. Yeah. We, we just did like a, you know, like a POC, like proof of concept launch MVP, whatever you want to call it 12 months ago. And basically we launched it and in August or September, like four months later, we got on AppSumo marketplace and we we're like one of the first like marketplace deals. We didn't think we were going to approve because I was on a podcast with my buddy Cedric. He's, he's up in Canada and he, was like, hey, have you tried AppSumo? And I was like, I don't know what AppSumo is. So we applied, they accepted us. And we're like, whoa, like we just launched. Like there's so many bugs in this. And like, we gotta, like, we gotta work on this. It wasn't even mobile friendly. And we pushed the app through, the app was pretty spotty. So yeah, we're like, all right, we gotta work on it. So that whole summer, last summer, we, we worked on getting it to AppSumo. Once we launched on AppSumo, it's good. Cause we got about almost 800 people now that have signed up on the platform. It was a very slow start. Nobody knew about it, right? But I think the second validation for us was going into a big marketplace like AppSumo and people actually buying the deal lifetime and then also leaving comments like, you know, you guys are a little new and I'm kind of frustrated, but they believe they believe in the, the software, right? And they kind of back you by buying that deal and they're first movers. So they gave us a lot of positive feedback that was encouraging. I mean, put it like this, if we had went AppSumo and majority would have said this tool just sucks and like why would anybody buy it calumny exists we probably wouldn't be building it and you know going forward but a, a lot of people liked it they really liked it so that gave us a lot of encouragement to to keep going top of the year we got a small small seed round from a friend who, who put in some cash because we put in quite a bit of cash and you know now we have a full-time developer working on it a couple devs nights and weekends we gave them some equity they're part of kairos and then nate works on it too so yeah. That's awesome. So, you know, I, I think one of the, the questions that's like really, really fit for you, because you have a wide range of, you know, different companies under your belt. How do you plan to, to grow this product specifically? Like you've, I, I mean, from restaurants to consultancies to, you know, you've, you've kind of seen such a gambit that I, I'm sure you have some pretty unique ideas there. Yeah. Well, so funny you, you asked that question as specific because I just hatched like a little plan this week. Basically, we're coming out with one of our biggest features. It's going to be called Pages. It, it's almost exactly like, you know, Calendly, Doodle, any industry standard like scheduling. Here's my, my link page, right? People just want that. Like, and, you know, we built something pretty sophisticated that they're not using yet. So we're building that basically. And what I did was I reached out to a couple of friends of mine locally and clients who have organizations of a hundred to 200 plus people in their company. And I said, listen, I said, what I'm going to do for you is I'm going to give you guys sidekick for free for the rest of this year. 
if you're using a scheduling tool, because we believe and we're confident, we do have something similar. If you're using these ones, I would like for you guys to do it. So since I have that relationship, you know, they're going to try us out. The cool thing about that is if we could spark, you know, 400 people and local companies using this daily, the thing about it is just by them booking meetings, the product already has virality built into it as you increase the usage rate, right? Like we didn't build a CMS tool where you have to run ads to get attention to get people to come to it, right? It's a scheduling tool. So the more people that schedule, you know, with and they use it, the increased awareness will get. So there is like a little, you know, snowball effect too. And then in the future, we plan on just building out to, to need, like some people are going to be like, Hey, I want to get rid of the sidekick branding. Great. You know, so, so that, that is like the next spark of how we think we're going to get the next phase going for growth. And, and then from there, like we'll, we'll see, you know, our expectation is, you know, we're not coming after Calendly. We're not trying to build a unicorn. We're just trying to build a really cool software product that started from our need you know, see if we could monetize it, see if we could, you know, make some money and keep it sustainable and build it. You know, all the money that we make at the start is going to go back into the team because we have Kairos that pays our bills, right? So like this, we're not like reliant on this to make money for us, you know, so we're not stressed out about it. So it could take longer, right? And we're patient with it. So yeah, I mean, that's like the, that's like the, the initial goal to like start the, like spark that growth, you know, to the next level. And then from there, it's just, I'm going to reach out to every business owner I know, go through my, my Rolodex per se, and just see if they would use it in their company. Nice. So it sounds like the strategies that you have for growing the business right now are like partnerships with different companies like AppSumo, and then actually connecting directly with local business and using that relationship. Yeah, absolutely. You know, like maybe we could do some kind of paid, like I'm doing content, right? Like I'm doing the SEO as well. Like that takes time. You know, we have... We have three partners in the company. We all have pretty big networks, right? So it's up to us to kind of push that message. And like, even now, like we're getting featured on like, like Japanese blogs, like random stuff. I have no clue. Like people are just sending me links like, Hey, we're featuring Sidekick. We found you. So I have no idea how people are finding us. I try to ask everybody, but it's happening, you know, and it just, it happens over time. So, you know, a little bit of luck will be part of the growth too, I would say. So a little bit of luck. We'll see. I think it's actually good that you mentioned the patience part because in all the interviews that we've done, this is probably the most common thing that everyone has said. It's your patience with your product. And, you know, that's the one thing you have to practice as an action, even though it seems like it's inaction. Uh, it's not because things grow over time. You know, just like this podcast, like we started off slow. We probably had what, two, three listeners. And now we're yeah. like scaled it to like 10 times that amount. And that's just us starting, right? So yeah, definitely agree with that route. In terms of like the goals for Sidekick AI, like wh what do you have? What's your long-term goal for that? And, you know, is it just those different routes that you just mentioned on getting there? Or, you know, what else are you thinking? Yeah, I mean, for me, like the ultimate goal, like, like the ultimate goal for me personally, I would just love it if, you know, somebody's doing product reviews, and it's like, who do I go with? What scheduling software do I go with, right? And it's like, yeah, Calmy, Chili Piper, maybe you got XAI.ai, like Sidekick. To me, that's a win. I Like a household name with that, at least compared in the top 10 with them, that's a win for me. I would love that just because I'm really competitive and I've always been competitive growing up. So that's cool. That'd be, that'd be a pretty big win, I think. And just, you know, more people using it and actually liking it and giving good feedback. 
anytime I get a good AppSumo review or I get an email like, oh, I love this. Like, you know, you guys are doing something really cool. I love that. That's a lot of satisfaction for the, the long nights that you're putting up, you know, trying to build this and how to think, how to make it. You know, yeah, we want to make money with it, right? Like, but like I said, our expectations is not like, oh, we're going to make billions of dollars off this. And like, this is the idea that's going to change the world. I mean, we had a need, we had a problem. We thought we could do it a little better than what was done, like out there in the market. And uh, we just decided to go down that route and it's our first product. So, you know, for me, a big win already, like I've already won because we launched a product. People have found us without any market, like not a lot of marketing besides me posting and they're coming through, they're entering their info and signing up on a free trial. That's a win. I mean, if you like, it is hard to build a product to start like even to engineer it, to publish it to like a 1.0 and then to even get one person to come through to sign up for a trial. Like that's, that's a win right there. You know, it's that, that's hard, harder than it looks, you know, people that are thinking about building a software, you know, company or a platform or buying one and growing it. It's not that easy. So that's, that's already a win. Like that's success in my book. Yeah. What I really like what you guys did was you took something that, did exist, but there was a problem with it. And you kind of connected two things together. And that's, you know, that I've always did an analysis of no matter what it was, if I was doing like D to C or B to B or whatever it is. And I look at the problem and say, man, I can't invent something new like a unicorn, but you don't really need to. You just need to look at something that has a problem and like attach it with something that makes it different from the rest of the market. And that's what you guys did there, which, you know, I really appreciate and I like what you guys did. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It was, it just like, it, like I said, it kind of clicked and you know, for us, like we've been doing this for a decade and the patience thing, I guess, like that's the underlying theme, you know, just change the podcast, the patience, I guess the name of it, but it like literally I have thought of ideas over the past 10 years. Like I said, you can't force it, but once you kind of steal one and you're like, Oh, like, yeah, I would use it. Other people would use it. We could build it. I would even buy it. This makes sense to like at least try it because I think where people they fail is they just like they try to make these software, especially software. They try to make these software products just strictly to make money and they're not that great and they're forcing ideas of forcing problems to solve. It's just like no one really needs this or wants this or it's a complete copy of something. And yeah, you know, like don't do that. You know, you don't have to force it and, and don't be upset if you can't come up with an idea or it doesn't click like that. <laughs> I mean, it, it does take time, right? Just, uh, just do more research, do more reading, understand how things work, what's missing. And, and maybe you'll have that moment, right? Like not everybody does. So that's why it's happy. It happened for us. Like, Oh, we have an idea of a product we think we could build because I, I've always wanted to do it, but. Yeah, that's awesome. I have, I have kind of a tangent here for you. So yeah. you mentioned being, you know, pretty competitive and also being super patient. How do you, how do you kind of square away those two things? Cause it, it really seems like people are one or the other for the most part. And the combination of both of them is like, you know, the Goldilocks zone for business, I think. Yeah. It's, it's really hard. I think you, I personally have to work on it daily. For example, our biggest feature launched is coming out pages, right? This isn't going to be done until end of June. You know, earlier in my career, I would be more not patient and just get upset and let those like emotions and feelings like get to me. And I've just kind of learned, 
I think it's maybe age to find that good zone is basically like, hey, I can't control this, right? Like I can't make our developers work faster. Like they know the goal. They're, we hired them. They're an amazing team. They're brilliant. Trust in them that they're going to do it as quick as they possibly can, right? So there's no reason like, hey, let's get it done faster. So you have to be patient in that aspect, but there's little things you could do, you know, throughout the daily to you know, get things done and, and make more progress. You know, for example, I like to think about our next our next sprint for quarter three, some of the features we're going to be working on. So I'll set time aside of the day and, and really focus on the product and, you know, how can we make this better? But it's also hard though, because if you do that too much and too much in the future, the things you may be thinking about now might actually not like go in the product later. So that could kind of be a waste of time. You know, in the competitive side, I just yeah, it used to be like way worse as a child. I've learned to kind of tame it, but yeah, just super competitive, you know, like everything. Uh, it just, I use everything. Sometimes I think it's bad for me because like I'll take like little things too personal and just be competitive and try to win at it. And it's like, Chris, like, like relax, like we're bowling for fun. Like you don't always have to try to win, you know? It, yeah, it's, uh, it's like my greatest strength but greatest weakness sometimes. Nice. So you've told us a lot about your journey, uh, a bunch of stuff about yourself and a lot of people who are listening to this podcast, they've either, they probably have started a business or they've started a couple of business and they failed. You know, if you were to give these people advice, like what would your advice be? Yeah. I mean, if something failed, just learn from it and move on and don't be sad about it. Right. Don't beat yourself up about it. I, I had a business, basically it was a service business, a flooring company. And I kind of got kicked out in a way. Basically, I had to leave and I couldn't get any money, right? No matter what the valuation was. I didn't like that. I, like, I did like the guys I was working with and everything just fell apart. And that really sucked. But I just, you know, kept moving. And, you know, if you're, if you're starting one too, like, and you're getting discouraged because maybe you might hear this podcast or another one, like, oh, those guys are way ahead of me. I'm never going to get there. That can be discouraging, but just keep showing up. And it will happen. I remember there's times when I was starting Grand Apps, I, I waited tables every single weekend for a year and a half after college starting Grand Apps. So Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and Grand Apps made no money. The reseller business apps, we did 15,000 our first year in sales. Um, you know, when I quit waiting tables, I had five grand to my name saved up and the company wasn't even making money to pay my bills but I just didn't want to wait tables anymore. And I was like, I just need to quit. And I have like, I have a run rate of like four months. And if all this fails, I'll just go get another serving job. So yeah, you know, I just kept showing up and the more you keep showing up every single day, you have to be committed, like super committed. So if you're not committed and you just like the idea of you think you want to start a business, it's, that's not going to work. Like, it, you know, that's just not, you might as well get a job somewhere. Just be self-aware, I guess, you know, it's a big tangent, sorry, but a couple, couple pieces of advice. Hopefully it helps. <laughs> no, I think the best way of learning is through other people's experience and then doing it yourself. So, you know, you're just speaking from your heart and your mind. And I think that's what people want to hear anyways. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, just keep, keep at it. It's not easy, but it can be fun. You just got to love it. Like uh, Andrew said, right? Like he's like obsessed by it, right? This guy's a machine nonstop. Once you find that sweet zone, like then you found it. Yeah. I would just say be, and we end on this or if you have any more questions, but you know, just be self-aware. Like for example, one of our top developers in Kairos has approached me and he said, Chris, 
I'm going to be very, very honest with you. Like you're like a number one. And he was like, I just want to be a number two. I want to be a really good number two. I don't want to run a business. I don't want to do any of that, but I want to be the best backend developer you have because I see you're launching other products. I want to be a part of that. I want to have maybe some equity. You know, I want to make money, but I also want opportunity to keep growing, but I also only want to be a number two. And this guy, this guy's young, like mid twenties. And I was like, uh, well, I need some good number twos. And like, that's very aware. Like that's, that's good. You know? So if you soul search a little bit, just figure out who you are and then you can pick those lanes. Right. Yep. Absolutely. So for all the people that are looking to find your business or want to get a hold of you, what's the best way of doing that? Is that through Twitter, through your business? How would they get a hold of you? Yeah. I mean, psychicai.com, you know, kairosdigital.com, the, the websites, right. But LinkedIn, like I, LinkedIn's probably my number one number one platform that I'm on social media wise. I only got on Twitter's because I was trading Doge and I wanted like real-time updates of the markets. So then I got big into Twitter this year, actually, like just, you know, reading live news updates, but I'm the kind of guy on Twitter. I don't really post. I'll just kind of sit back and watch, you know, and just go through the comments. I might retweet here and there, but yeah, LinkedIn for sure. Cool. Yeah. Don't worry. I'm the same type of person. I <laughs> on a Twitter account. I don't post anything, but I'm going to, I think I'm going to attempt one of my first uh, tweet storms soon. So okay. we'll see how that works out. <laughs> yeah, do it. There's a funny meme. Like, I wish I still had it, but it was like a guy smoking a cigarette on this like hill. And it was like, like people on Twitter, like not commenting, just like watching like all the pigeons. There's like, he's like watching a bunch of pigeons. And it was like, these are the, the posters. And this is like the non-poster, right? I'm like, oh, it's, I don't smoke cigarettes, but I'm like, that's me. Like I'm the guy. Just watching everybody. All right. Awesome. Thanks for joining us on this episode, Chris. We really appreciate having you. For everyone else who's joined this episode, thank you again. We really, really appreciate you. You are all of our early adopters and our super fans. Until the next one, we'll see you the next one. Awesome. Thank you. You can find more episodes and a link to the community of Buy and Build Podcast at buybuildpod.com. Remember to like, rate, and share with your friends on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Join us again next week as we continue our journey. We'll see you in the next one.